You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Wednesday, April 7th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. And I'd like to begin today's show with a special shout out to subscribers to this podcast. And to join that group, all you have to do is go to your favorite podcast source and click the subscribe button. And if you do that, we will deliver new episodes to your device each morning. As this is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets, we have new episodes each day, Monday through Friday, through most of the year. Today we have our weekly mailbag show, and it is our first weekly mailbag in quite a while where we do not have any questions about Sam Darnold and what's going to happen with him, obviously because the Jets traded him earlier in the week, but thanks to everybody who sent in questions. And we begin with a question from Steve F. Steve writes, it seems to me that tight end as a pass catcher role has become really important for successful NFL offenses. Shouldn't the Jets be making a more serious move to get a reliable receiving tight end? It's an interesting question, uh, Steve. Look, what the Jets got from Chris Herndon last year was unacceptable, and I say that as somebody who's still maybe the last holdout hoping for a Herndon Herndon revival. And through the years, the Jets have gotten remarkably little from the tight end position. If you go back 2015, 2016, When you had Kellen Davis and Jeff Cumberland, the Jets were getting historically low production from tight end. You know, in those days, Chan Gailey was the offensive coordinator, and people complained that Gailey had no use for the tight end in his offense. Well, I never agreed with that. I thought people had no use. I I thought that he had no use for those tight ends. So I think it has been a bit of an issue. I've kind of changed my mind on this over the last couple of years because I used to be of the mindset that I wanted a mismatch out there. Because if you get an elite tight end, guy who runs like a receiver but is built like a linebacker, he's tough to cover. He's too fast for linebackers. He's too big for defensive backs. That's the kind of guy I want. But I thought about this, and... I don't know that there are that many tight ends in the NFL who are real difference makers. You have Kelsey in Kansas City. You have Kittle in San Francisco. You could argue Waller in Las Vegas. You know, Previously, years back, you had Ertz in Philadelphia. You had Gronk in New England. But, I mean, you think about recent NFL history, there aren't a ton of difference makers at the tight end position. It tends to be more of a supporting role in your passing game. And I think some coaches kind of struggle with figuring out how to build their passing game around a tight end, even if you have a really good one. Because if you look historically at some of the guys who have gone early in the draft, now this year Kyle Pitts is the big guy, but it it seems like every few years there's some guy who's just this athletic marvel who is going to revolutionize the tight end position. And frequently they turn into good players, but it seems like it doesn't pan out. Uh, You know, a couple of years ago, O.J. Howard, who was a solid tight end, he was drafted high in the first round by Tampa Bay. Or you go back uh, seven years now, Eric Ebron, I remember when he was coming out, he was a guy with incredible athleticism. And again, he's turned into a a decent pass catcher, but he's not been as good as people thought he was going to be. 
So I think it's a position where there just aren't that many difference makers. And I think if you can get one of those guys and you know how to scheme with him, and look, the Jets have a coach from San Francisco. And I think if you if you coach in San Francisco, you probably have a pretty good idea how to utilize a tight end like that. But I've changed my mind on this. I, years ago, I, I said you want you want the mismatch guy. And I, look, I still do want the guy who's the total mismatch, but I've come to feel like those guys – are difficult to find, and most of the time you're not going to get them. I think the, the tight ends who make a genuine difference are very few, and the rest of the guys, you know, the, the, I think the second tier is very large. I think you have your first tier of guys who really change your offense, and then you have a second tier where it's guys who are okay, you know, it's guy, but I think that second tier is, is kind of large. I think that's where most of the tight ends in the NFL fall. So if I can get one, sure, but I don't know that it's as essential as maybe I thought it was a few years back, and that's just me changing my mind, so maybe I'm wrong on that. Our next question comes from Joe, who writes, Hi, John. For the last two years, I've been praying our Jets would only invest in offensive players so we could learn if Sam Darnold was or wasn't any good. The Jets failed miserably to figure out the value of that enormous Darnold investment. I suggest the Jets deploy 90% of our draft capital on offense this year. I believe the Jets should also trade some 22 draft picks to pick up a couple extra 2021 draft picks to fortify every offensive area of need. Give the kid players. I'm I'm sick of the Jets always being two steps behind and looking like an uncoordinated person playing whack-a-mole, doing nothing but smacking us fans in the head. Sell out to get offensive talent in this month's draft to support Zach Wilson. Jets fans are sick of not having a quarterback, sick of zero offense, sick of painfully boring losses where the Jets score one meaningless fourth quarter touchdown. Enough agonizing boredom for us poor abused Jets fans. You told yourself you told us yourself on a November Monday podcast. At this at this point I feel like I'm the only I feel like the only reason I watch these games is so that Jets fans don't have to. Your thoughts on the Jets just drafting one cornerback and drafting all offense. So Joe with a very passionate question about what the Jets should do on the offensive side of the ball. And look, there's no question about it. The Jets failed Sam Darnold. Jets did not put enough around Sam Darnold. I, I'll argue that forever. Listen, you may think Sam Darnold was never going to be any good, and maybe you're right, but I don't think they put anything around him. Now, as far as do the Jets draft all offense, I mean, look, it depends on the way the board falls. But here's the way I view it. I think people are going into this draft saying that, you know, with, with the second pick, Jets are obviously taking a, a quarterback. I think people look at this situation and say, okay, at 23 and 34, which are the Jets' next two picks, you have to take corner and you have to take interior offensive line. But I don't think that's the way the draft works. Now, in an ideal world, you find an impact player at your weakest position. But I think too frequently we look at the draft as a mechanism where we address position the weakest positions on our roster. But that's not really what the draft is. Your needs change from year to year. What you're looking for is to find impact players. First of all, because rookies tend to struggle in the NFL. But second, you win games with impact players in the NFL. So it depends on where the board falls. You know, I've seen some people say, well, defensive line isn't as big of a need now. And that's true. Defensive line is less of a need with the additions of Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins, Vinnie Curry. But you could still, you could always use an extra pass rusher. An extra pass rusher is going to have big impact, even though defensive line is not the weakness of the team. Defensive line is probably the strength of the team right now. But you can make that strength stronger. And, you know, on the same note, yes, it's going to be tough if the Jets can't find a corner in the draft who 
can step in and play immediately. But the fact of the matter is there may not be a day one starter at corner for the Jets. So you, you have to adjust. You have to deal with it, the board as it falls. And yeah, look, that might mean, and I think sometimes people look at this and they say, well, we have a lot of needs on the defensive side of the ball. We can't draft all offense. Well, if the board falls in a spot where the value is all on the offensive side of the ball, then you take offensive players. Now, one thing that gives me a little bit of hope here is that on day one, whether it's Zach Wilson, whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's somebody else, we still don't know. But whoever that quarterback is, they're going to have a better group of receivers than Sam Darnold ever had. They're going to have a better group of receivers than Geno Smith ever had. And it's going to be a better group of receivers than Mark Sanchez had, you know, year three, year four. So I don't think the Jets are going to be fit. I think from day one, Jets are not going to be failing the next young quarterback the way they failed Darnold and Geno and Sanchez in the later years. Not so much the early years. Jets had a good team built around Sanchez the early years. But the later years of Sanchez, they did not build around him properly. So you're in a better position. And I think that's one I think that's a big deal. You know, you don't necessarily need to put the young quarterback in a perfect situation. In fact, in terms of just pure evaluation, you probably don't want to put the young quarterback in a perfect situation. Now, in terms of winning you do, but like if you have like the best offensive line in the league and the best group of receivers in the league and the best system in the league, you may wonder at some point, well, it, when the team has success, how much of it is the quarterback and how much of it is the supporting cast is so good? So you kind of run into the opposite problem. And that's just from a pure evaluation standpoint. Of course, if you're trying to win games, you want the best team possible. So like no quarter, and I think no young quarterback ever walks into a perfect situation. It's very rare. I shouldn't say never happens, but it's very rare. You just got to give them something. And the Jets never gave Sam anything. They gave him the worst coaching in the NFL. Even probably the worst coaching of the decade in the NFL. And if he goes on to have success in Carolina, I'm sorry, Adam Gase is the worst coach of the century because that would be two quarterbacks who were top 10 picks he failed to develop, went on to have success elsewhere. Adam Gase is the worst coach of the century if Sam Darnold succeeds in Carolina. But the new quarterback's at least going to have a competent receiving core, and that's something good for, for day one. And look, they're going to they're gonna have to build the offensive line out, and they could use another impact receiver. This is a solid group of receivers. They could use another impact guy, but you've at least got something to work with. And if you use these picks effectively, I don't think you necessarily need to use 90% of the picks on offense to give the quarterback enough. It's not necessarily about giving him everything. It's just about giving him enough to give him a fighting chance. And I think the Jets are in a position to do that. And I don't, I don't think they necessarily need to use that many picks on offense. Maybe the board falls that way. And, one of, and when you're in the Jets position, I guess one of the good things is when you have so many needs, you have the luxury of picking the best player, the best value at your spot in the draft. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new Built Bar is even more delicious. There are now 18 amazing flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, it's promo code LOCKED15. It's one word with no space. L-O-C-K-E-D, number one, number five, for 15% off at Built Bar. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R dot com. This is the Locked on Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, should Joe Douglas be fired if the Jets whiff on pick number two? It seems like even the greats get evaluations wrong, especially in an offseason when most visits are Zoom calls. Joe D seems to have the requisite skills to build on and to learn from. However, even his mentor drafted Kyle Bowler. Mistakes happen, don't they? 
Drafting is an inexact science and requires some level of patience, if, even if the fundamentals are solid. Well, should the Jets determine Joe Douglas's job status purely on whether he, he hits on the second overall pick? The answer is no. This, this should not be a situation where you're fired if this pick fails or you keep your job if the pick is a success. I think there's more nuance to it than that. But I think ultimately, if you look at this, we now we know the Jets are taking a quarterback second overall. And that quarterback success or failure is likely going to have an outsized impact on the team's success or failure over the next th- three years. And if the quarterback's not successful, the team's going to lose a lot. And if the, te- if the quarterback is successful, odds are the team's going to win its fair share of games. And ultimately, I think it's the team's performance that determines the general manager's job status. So I think in that standpoint, Douglas's fate is likely tied to the success or failure of the second pick. Is that entirely fair? Well, probably not. As you mentioned, drafting is tough. Even the best drafters have some horrible, horrible blemishes on their resumes. The hit rate is way lower than people think. Even very early in the draft, there are a lot more busts than you imagine. The best drafters hit on less than 50% of their picks. That's just the way it goes. And sometimes there are mistakes, even among great general managers. As you mentioned, Ozzie Newsom drafted Kyle Bowler. I'll take it one step further. Ozzie Newsom got lucky a few years later because the Ravens wanted Brady Quinn. And they missed out on him, and it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to them because the next year they got Joe Flacco. They don't win their second Super Bowl if they got their way in 2007 and got Brady Quinn. So sometimes you have to be a little bit lucky in addition to being good. The thing is, though, at the time Ozzie Newsom drafted Bowler, he had a Super Bowl ring on his resume. You know, He had helped build one of the most iconic defenses in the history of the game, the 2000 Ravens. So he had a little bit more bigger margin for error because you knew he could do his job effectively when it comes to joe douglas look he's gonna have he has all the resources he needs he had the money to spend in free agency he's got a ton of draft picks over the next two years there's everything's in place for this team to turn it around quickly and if we don't have a better team within the next two to three years i think joe douglas is going to be on his way out that's just the way it is. You know, you can argue whether or not it's fair, but I think ultimately the NFL is results-oriented. And if Douglas misses on these picks, maybe it won't be entirely his fault. But at the end of the day, I think that the resources are there. I think it's fair. You know, that would be four to five years on the job. He would have had every opportunity to turn this thing around. And if he can't get the job done, I think you'll look elsewhere. And Again, the quarterback's going to have a lot to do with it. Of course, there are scenarios where the quarterback is bad, but Douglas hits on everything else, and the team still can win enough games to to preserve his job but give him a second chance at drafting a quarterback a few years down the line. Of course, there are scenarios where Douglas drafts the quarterback, but there are issues with the rest of the team, and maybe their ceiling's like 8-8. and Even though they have a good offense, Douglas can't build the defense. I mean, that's possible too. But I think the most likely scenario is the team's success is going to be correlated with the quarterback's success. And the quarterback Douglas chooses is the guy he's going to be tied to. And that there's that's just the way the NFL is. You know, that's you can argue whether it's right or wrong, but that's the way the NFL is, and I think that's the way it's going to be. Our next question, John. What do the Jets need to do differently to develop either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson? Maybe not so much from an X's and O's standpoint, but from a locker room and cultural standpoint. 
And do either of the two prospects scare you away from an attitude or personality standpoint? All right, I'll take the second question first. Do either of the prospects scare me away from an attitude or personality standpoint? Look, I'm not entirely qualified to comment on this. So unless there's something glaring, my answer is going to be no. I don't see anything glaring with either guy that scares me away from them. You know, I think you get to this point, and that's that's really something only the scouts can figure out. So unless there's something really, really obvious, which I don't think there is, I'd say no. Now, what do the Jets need to do from a locker room and cultural stand, standpoint? I wrote a bit about this in an article I wrote about Sam Darnold yesterday. The Jets need to get out of the mindset that the quarterback is there to save them. And I think that that was a, a mindset that existed throughout the organization during the Darnold years, that Darnold was there to be Superman, that he was there to save the day. Whenever there was a mistake, Darnold was there to bail the Jets out. The Jets failed to build a good roster. Well, we have Sam. Sam will figure it out. The Jets botched their coaching search. They hired Gase. That's okay. We have we still have Sam. Well, we would have had Sam even if we didn't have Gase. Um, you know, you get into the season and the Jets' offense is struggling. Sam goes into Gase's office and says, this is what we need to do. And then Gase actually says, what took you so long? As though it's Sam's job to, like, figure out the offensive scheme. You heard it, and you heard it from, from people who ran the team. You heard it from the owner. You heard it from the general manager. You heard it from, I mean, you heard it from everybody with the Jets that we have Sam. That's why, that's why we believe in this team. You know, okay, we made a mistake here, but we still have Sam. That's the wrong mindset for developing a young quarterback. You need to invest in the quarterback. It's not the quarterback saving you. It's about you building up the quarterback. It's about what you can do for the quarterback. That The, the, the Jets had the t- a totally backwards mindset with Sam Darnold, where Sam Darnold was supposed to save them every time they did something wrong. What you need to do is you need to build a competent franchise around that quarterback. You know, The other thing I would say, which they've already done, is you can't have the mindset when you're hiring a head coach that you needed a guy from the offensive side of the ball because if you hire a defensive coach, the offensive coordinator may leave, may leave for a head coaching job. That's such a backwards mindset, and I think it's part of the mindset that led to the Gase hire. The most important thing you can do to develop a young quarterback, it's not to give him a system that never changes. It's not to give him an offensive coordinator that never changes. Name me a single great quarterback in the NFL who's lasted any amount of time in the league. I'm not talking about guys who are first or second year players. Name me a guy who's been a great quarterback in the NFL for 10 to 15 years who never once changed his system. You can't because that quarterback doesn't exist. So why are we, so, you know, why do we have the mindset that you have to keep the offensive coordinator, you have to keep the offensive coach in place forever? The most important thing you can do to develop a young quarterback is to build a stable franchise. And then maybe the mistakes of Darnold helped the Jets to realize that this time, with the coaching hire that they made. But those are the those are the things that come to mind. It's a, it's about building a better franchise around Darnold. It's, it's not about asking the quarterback to save you from yourself, to save you from every mistake. It's about making sure you develop the quarterback, making sure you're investing in the quarterback, building the right infrastructure, putting the right people in place around him, and not asking too much of the quarterback. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. March Madness is now over, but the NBA and NHL are in full swing, and Bet Online also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code LOCKEDON. It's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast on this Mailbag Wednesday. Our next question, Marcus May tweeted his disapproval of the Darnold trade. He was also outspoken criticizing Williams' cover zero against Oakland. I personally like safeties to play safety and not head coach. Is this a guy the Jets want to extend and possibly overpay? Well, I'd say extend, yes. Overpay, no. I don't think May's a big enough impact player that you overpay. I think there are there are points where you overpay somebody to keep them. I don't think May's at that level, the way maybe you know a Jamal Adams who wanted to stay here would be. I wouldn't read too much into this stuff, though. Um, you know, as far as the tweeting his disapproval of the Darnold trade, no, look, you, you'd like to see guys stay off Twitter. And there's a reason I don't have a personal Twitter account. But you have to remember, I mean, this is these guys are friends. They work together for years. I'm sure there's there's a good relationship there. You're gonna be. It's okay to be a little upset. I, I can't hold it against somebody who's a little upset that maybe his friend got traded. Again, maybe you'd like to see him stay off Twitter, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. And as far as the Williams cover zero thing, I mean, look, we were all saying the same thing. I mean, it's not like he was wrong about it. And it was a situation. It was just a terrible situation. The Jets locker room was just a terrible situation last year. So I, I can't get mad at him for that. I, I think Marcus May has been a good guy. You know, he's he was voted team MVP. He's been a team captain. I mean, that that's the that's the stuff you look for if you want to know if somebody's standing in the locker room. I, I agree. Look, I I don't love the I look. I, I think I think we should all stay off Twitter. That's that's what I think. I think all of us should stay off Twitter. But I, I can't get too fired up about that. He's you're upset when your friend leaves the office. I mean, I'm, I'm upset when people leave. My friends leave my workplace. So the Jets traded Darnold. I'm sure there was a good relationship with May. I think he's a, I think it's okay that he's a little upset about it. And I think he'll get over it. I think once the Jets draft their new quarterback, he'll be fully behind that guy. And our last question, hypothetical here. Given that we want to stop Wilson, yeah, I'm calling it, from being destroyed every play, but also know we have no corners. If you had to choose one position group to go with in the first to third rounds, would you go with corner or offensive line? I'm going offensive line 100% as I think our investments elsewhere on defense will make the secondary's job easier, and there seem to be potential offensive line starters through the third round, while corner look looks not so great after the top tier to me. All right, well, don't call it on Wilson. Wilson I'm not convinced the Jets are taking anybody until I hear Roger Goodell state that with the second pick, the Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback BYU, or Justin Fields, quarterback Ohio State, or something else. My guess is Wilson, but look, I, I don't think anybody can say that it's a guarantee the Jets are taking anybody right now. I think if you are, you're just guessing. Um, as far as this question goes, though, I think, as always, it depends on the board. But in the case of a tie, you know, if it's a tie, tie goes to the offensive line because you want to build the pieces around this quarterback. You don't want a situation where the quarterback's constantly under duress. So. And look, I think you also have to acknowledge that this is not going to be a fully built team in 2021. There are going to be some holes. There are going to be some glaring holes on this team. One offseason was not enough to fix everything that was wrong with this football team. So you just have to acknowledge that. You know, you can't go into the draft thing. You know, we talked about this a little earlier. 
I don't think you can, you can go into this draft thinking, okay, the Jets need to draft an interior offensive lineman at, at 23, a corner at 34, or vice versa, you know, corner at 23, interior offensive lineman at 34. Look, if that's the way the value works out, that's great, but you're just not, it's, I don't think it's realistic to think that this is going to be a fully built team by opening day. It should be a vastly improved team, but there are still going to be some glaring needs somewhere. So, and I don't think the Jets are going to be able to address all of their needs through the draft, nor did I expect them to be able to address all of their needs heading into this offseason. I think ultimately, though, if there's a, you know, if it's a tie, I'd lead, lean toward building around the young quarterback on offense. Anyway, that's all for our show today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy our show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.